0: Uh, Rick will be teaching from Psalms 6, 1 through 9 this morning. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And she who will give you praise. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer.
1: Good morning. Happy Father's Day. To everyone, not just the fathers. I mean you can it's Father's Day, so you can have a happy Father's Day, right? Even if you're not a father, you can have a happy Father's Day today's Father's Day, you can have a happy day today. So then it'd be a happy Father's Day, even if you're like a not a father. I'll dispense with my silly. I'm sorry. Apparently you guys aren't in the mood yet to be silly this morning. Um, I want to direct your attention to back right. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, we put that out last week, and it's going to be out throughout the summer as we walk through the summer of Psalms, through this pray, disciple, serve idea. It's just a blank canvas, and there's Sharpies back there. So the idea is before service, during the middle of the service, or after service, or on a Tuesday afternoon when you decide you just nothing else to do, I'll come up and sneak in a a window because the doors will probably be locked. Um, anyway, I said I was going to dispense with the silliness. I, I didn't. Um, uh, anyway, what we want you to do is as you're reading through the Psalms, uh, either in the service or on your own, uh, when you find an attribute, a quality, a trait, a phrase about God, we want you to write it on that board and, uh, So, and the hope is at the end of these 12 weeks, we're going to have a canvas filled with the people of North Church's, uh, the things they've laid hold of about who God is and how He's revealed Himself to your heart. So, um, last week in the middle of the sermon, uh, Rebecca as I asked you guys all to, got up in the middle of the sermon and walk back there and, and wrote something. So feel free in the middle of the sermon or in the middle of, of response time or during response time, at any point, just go back there. If God has, re- has revealed himself to you in some way, go back there and write it. Um, and the other thing is the more you do that, the less like, like I wrote plentiful redemption up there in a, in a really poor way. And so the more stuff that's on there, the, the less bad I look. So your eye won't be drawn just to the poorly written, plentiful redemption that I wrote last week. So um, that's, that's permission for you to get up and move around and, and go and do that. Um, one other thing, I, before we get into Psalm 6 of our psalm today, I want to take a minute to uh, kind of affirm something or, or re-say something that I said last week. If you weren't here last week, uh, that's okay. Um, I was talking about forgiveness. Um, in Psalm 130, it says, But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are fear. With you there is forgiveness. And I talked about this idea. I, I, this is important to me to re-articulate this because I don't think I did a good job last time, last week. So I was talking about forgiveness, and I, I brought this illustration Many times the way that we perceive God to forgive us is the way that we forgive other people. So the way that we've experienced forgiveness in our life, like we've forgiven our husband or our wife or our children or a friend, or we've been forgiven by one of those people. And it's, it's usually halfway or not complete or temporary. And, and the way that we forgive is, is temporary or partial. And so the way we understand that forgiveness is the way when God says he forgives us, we impose that kind of forgiveness on what God is doing for us. And that's wrong. God forgives us completely into the uttermost. But what I'm afraid was heard, and I've had a couple of conversations with people, and I'm missing this in community group as well, what I'm afraid was heard was when you come and think about forgiveness, you need to do better. Forgive better. And first of all, let me just say, if you ever hear me say, with this microphone on, standing here, if you ever hear me say, do better or be better, call me on it. Because that's not what any of this is about. Religion, church, the gospel, Jesus, is none of it. None of it is about be better or do better. All of it is about gazing upon someone who did it perfectly and accepting his perfection on our behalf. So if last week you heard me say, you need to forgive people better, that's not what I intended to say. I think it might have been what I said, but that's not what I intended to say. And what I want you to hear this morning is there's nothing about the gospel. There's nothing about scripture. There's nothing about God that intends for us to just do better or be better. It's all about Him and what He's done. And that's, I think, the purpose and and point, and, and one of the great things about this series as we're dealing with the Psalms, is we're not looking at ourselves even a little bit. We're only looking at who God is. With God, there is forgiveness completely, utterly, everywhere, the very depths of you. Every sin, the very essence of your sin has been forgiven because God is forgiveness, not because of anything you can do or you can muster. This is our God. So as we walk through this series, I want us to lay hold of attributes or qualities of God. Um, This morning, we're going to deal with this concept of lament. Um, Lament is an artful theological expression of grief and pain with the knowledge and promises of God. And We'll talk about lament as we go along today, and, and I want to bring a, a couple of definitions in front of us about what lament is, and it, because this is something that, that, that we don't do, and we don't do well, and it's, it's a gift that God has given to you to be able to lament. So uh, fire that person up there. This is what kind of the world, what our understanding of what lament is, just expressing a deep hurt, giving voice... To pain and hurt that's inside of us that's lament giving a voice expressing deep hurt there's more biblical lament hit that one is laying deep hurt at the feet of God and asking for help so lament is God this sucks I hate it I wish this wasn't true I wish this I didn't experience or feel this pain I wish that this pain wasn't real but it is it is real Biblical lament is laying that hurt at the feet of God, but God and asking him for help. And it's really a picture of the gospel. Lament is really a picture of the gospel. Like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my world. And God, I want to tell you there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my world. And I want you to fix it. That's lament. Hit that next one. Uh, the purpose of lament is not to get through pain, but to get God through through pain. If we, like, one of the... So dealing with people that kind of have a problem, if God truly exists and God truly is good and God truly can do whatever he wants to do, then why is there evil and pain in the world? That's that's a, a, a question that atheists and agnostics have a lot. And I think this is a beautiful example, a beautiful answer for it. It's not about you. Your pain is not about you. Your pain is an opportunity to get God, to know him a little bit better, a little bit more intimately, a little bit more fully, a little bit more profoundly. The purpose of lament is not to get through pain, but to get God through pain. Um, I, love, I love that definition because it. It causes us really to to lean in to to pain which is not something we want as Americans like we want to run from pain our lives are about taking pain from us our commercials that we watch the things that we buy are about taking pain from us but I think there's an element of of scripture and there's element of who God is for us to lean into our pain and God has a, a plan and a purpose for it is that incredible that God's got a plan and a purpose for your pain? For the stuff that makes you hurt? Um, I want to walk through a few alternatives to lament. Things we do instead of lamenting. First, we ignore it. This didn't happen. We're going to walk through five of these, and I think that you'll probably see your the thing that you tend to do um, in the midst of pain. Some of us ignore pain. Secondly, some of us... Pretend. Um, there's a lady that works at Walgreens by my house, and she wears this bump. This uh, I almost said bumper sticker. She doesn't wear a bumper sticker. She wears a button that says "Too blessed to be stressed." And I want to engage her. Like, there's probably a, a great reason for us to, for her to have that button, but I want to say, I want to say, tell me what what you intend to communicate when you have this "Too blessed to be stressed." Because I think a lot of churchy type people like to pretend that pain doesn't exist in their world and when someone close to them dies or gets sick or or they have financial stress or trouble and all these things, they like they, they just smile and say, It's okay. No, it's 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 maybe not okay. It does hurt. Um, an alternative for us to lamenting is just pretending and saying that I'm blessed. The other thing we do is medicate. This is where probably a lot of us live. We medicate our pain instead of lamenting our pain. We medicate it with entertainment, with food, with alcohol, with drugs, with television. We medicate it with distracting things. Um, But I think the Bible is calling us to lean into our lament. Um, The fourth thing we get, and I think this is where David gets, and I think David may even be here in this psalm psalm 6 is he gets angry god i hate you god you're a liar god you're not saying truthful things i don't believe you i'm mad at you when i like when i was in youth ministry i was young and stupid and one of the things i tried to get people the students to not do is to be angry at god if you're angry at god there's something wrong with you i don't believe that that's true I believe the Psalms are filled with David being angry at God. Um, however, when we allow that to be an alternative or a block to lament, we error. Verse 5, um, or number 5, I'm sorry, is to run. An alternative to lament is just to run away. We leave community, we leave church, we leave God. There's a lot of people that I know that are in this spot, and it makes my heart hurt. But a lot of people just decide... Instead of dealing, leaning into my lament, leaning into my hurt and pain, I'm just going to run away. I'm just going to go be by myself, leave community, leave church, and leave God. None of them is appropriate. Um, before we get to Psalm 6, I'm going to bring two instances of the two most beautiful instances in Scripture that I know of, of lamenting. The first one is in Lamentations 3. Um, give a little bit of backstory. This is written by Jeremiah Um, you can, as I give this backstory, you can kind of read through what's on the screen. That's uh, a a piece from Lamentations 3. But so Lamentations 3, Jeremiah is sitting on a hillside. um, And by the way, scholars believe, most scholars believe the hillside where Jeremiah is when he writes Lamentations is the exact spot where Christ would die uh, a few hundred years later. Um, So he's sitting on a hillside, looking down into Jerusalem and Jerusalem has just been laid siege, and laid siege is basically a siege wall is built around a city so the goods can neither get in or get out. And the idea is we're going to starve and disease out our enemy, so that when we go to fight them, they're they're weak and they can't fight back. So that's what's happened to Jerusalem. They've a wall has been built around the city, and their enemy has come in after they're starved and frail. And they've uh, what's happened is there've been. The people of Jerusalem have been killed and raped and murdered and burned alive and the city has literally been burned to the ground in every capacity. So here's Jeremiah who gets free from the he, he, gets, he gets free from from the siege and now he's looking down into the city watching it burn after having watched his friends and family and, and loved ones die a brutal brutal death. Um, and so can you connect, like there's some deep pain that's in Jeremiah here. In Jeremiah, Lamentations 3, he says, he has made my teeth grind on gravel. He's made me cower in ashes. It's great to think about siege and what the backstory of what had just happened. Like, this isn't just poetry. This is literal. He's watched his friends and family cower in the ashes of burned down structures and buildings, hiding in piles of ashes. This isn't just some poetic words. These are this is literally what he was watching. My soul is bereft of peace. I forgot what happiness is. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, My endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Jesus like look at like in the Bible, Jeremiah, one of the greatest prophets of God has just said, My hope has perished. Like if Jeremiah can be honest with his pain and pour it out to God isn't that a beautiful invitation to you to be real like and when when you really te- tease out this idea of trying to fool God when you're angry and frustrated and don't know what to say and you just do, do you think that somehow you can put on this face that going to somehow convince God that, oh, he's really not angry with the place. It's just silly. And Jeremiah knew it. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You've ever been to a place where you're so angry, so hurt, such in deep pain that you just can't escape it. Like all the time it's influencing and affecting your, what's going on in your world. This is where Jeremiah was. And this is Jeremiah lamenting, trying to get God through his pain. Verse 21, But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Um, I, I wish we had time to go through all of Lamentations and to go through all of Lamentations 3 because Lamentations 3 is really three different pieces. The the first piece is this really sucks. The second piece starts there. So the first piece kind of ends with verse twenty and the second piece starts with verse twenty one where he's telling God he's great. Thank you. Mercies are new, steadfast love and all these things about God. But then after that there's another twenty verses of I hate this. So don't don't see that you've like your lamenting session needs to be, needs to end like this. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But again, the point is not for you to feel better. Did you hear me? Like, and that's, that's contrary to American gospel. The point of church is for you to feel better. No, it's not. It's not at all. The point of your pain is to get God And if we get God in the middle of our pain, then we can say to pain, good, thank you. And that's really hard to do. Um, The second most beautiful piece of lamenting that I know of in Scripture is Jesus in the garden. Jesus is about to be abandoned by men, and he's about to suffer great physical pain and carry the weight of sin, and for the first time in, for all eternity past, God is going to be, Jesus is going to be separate from his Father when the weight of the sin is upon him. And in the middle of it, Jesus laments. Um, He's in the garden, and he's with his boys, the people that he's invested his life with, the people that will, in a few hours, abandon him, and he kneels to pray in verse 38 of Matthew 26. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Like, I'm, I'm encouraged just by that. Jesus Christ is sad. Sometimes I believe a lie from an enemy when I'm sad to think that there's something wrong with me. Because if I'm sad, that means my faith is weak. That's what i believe but he, jesus is sad sorrowful even to death you ever like so sad so sorry that he just wants to like there's just death sorrowful the point of death verse 39 and going a little further he fell on his face and said my father if it's possible let this cup pass for me nevertheless not as i will but as you will It's just a process of lament. I don't like this. I wish that you would change this, but I trust you. Um, So let's read uh, our our psalm from this morning, Psalm 6. Um, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled my soul is greatly troubled, but you, O oh Lord, how long, turn, O oh Lord, and deliver my life, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears, I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes because of grief. It grows weary because of my foes. Depart from me. All you workers of evil for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping the Lord has heard my plea the Lord accepts my prayer um I hope that you can see really two things from this morning one is the the invitation from God for you to be honest with him but then secondly just this reality of how much he cares for you so I found three elements of lament. The first one is crying out to God. Look in verse 3. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O oh Lord, how long? He's real. He's honest with God, crying out to him. My soul is greatly troubled. When was the last time in the middle of your like frustration and anger and pain that you literally verbally spoke a prayer to God saying, this sucks. I hate this. Lament is an invitation to that. And it's more than just an invitation to do that, it's an invitation to do that as a pathway to get God. And then in verse 6 and 7, he says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. The, again, this is David, the strongest, most powerful man in the world. Have anything he wants, commands the, the strongest military in the world, weeping every night. He, so much that he floods his bed with tears. Verse 7, my eye wastes away because of grief. I'm picturing him just with red circles around his eyes and just he's been clawing and scratching at his face because he's just been crying so much. And his eyes and his life kinda of wastes away. Crying out to God. The second element of lament is to ask God for help. Look at what David says. And and the beautiful part about this is David just bounces back and forth from from crying out to God to asking for help, to crying out to God, to asking for help. He's bouncing back and forth. He's schizophrenic. And the Psalms, by the way, are, are completely schizophrenic. One Psalm, he's talking about how great God is, and the next Psalm, he's talking about how terrible his life is. The next Psalm, he's talking about how great God is. And the next Psalm, he's talking about this sucks. Just he's schizophrenic, um, which I've, I don't know. I just I find really comforting in the midst of um, my schizophrenic thinking about who God is and what he's done. But, so the first element of a man is cry out to God. The second one is to ask God for help. Uh, verse 2, be gracious to me. I guess this is really simple. Do you really need a, a pastor to, to tell you a good idea is to, to ask God for his grace? Like, how many times, in, in the middle of, of struggle or questioning or wondering or hurt or pain, do you just ask God, God, would you give me your grace? It's not complicated. Then in verse 4, David says, Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. David says, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. This verse is probably the biggest point of why we're doing this series because we want to lay hold of qualities and traits and attributes of god so that in the middle of difficult times we have that concreted foundation david in the middle of his this great pain and tragedy he lays hold of something that he knows to be true and clings to it because he knows it to be true and tries to reconcile the truth of what he knows with the reality of what's going on in his world. And he struggles with that. But he reminds himself and he reminds God that, God, you are steadfast love. Be gracious to me. Save me because of your steadfast love. Because I know you are full of steadfast love, you must save me. So the the purpose of of that canvas back there, hopefully we'll hang it somewhere here forever and just lay hold of these things, of the, the time when we engage with these qualities and attributes of God so that as life happens around us, we can hold on to the truth of who he is and we can reflect upon the pain that God gave to us as a gift to give us himself. Um, then the last piece, the last element of lament, first is crying out to God, second is asking God for help, and last is respond in, in faith. Respond in trust. The Lord, verse 9, the Lord has heard my plea, the Lord accepts my prayer. One of the most wonderful things about God I want you to hear me say this. One of the most wonderful, incredible things about God is he's always listening to you. And if he's always listening to you, he always deeply cares about you. Some of you have faced, are facing, or will face incredible pain. But look at verse 9. He's listening Eager to listen. Eager to hear. Not necessarily eager to take your pain away. But eager to show you that he's bigger and better than your pain. I want to close with one of my favorite quotes from a guy named Paul Miller. um, Who wrote one of my favorite books, A Praying Life. you're looking for something to read... A praying life by Paul Miller is a great choice. Um, Paul Miller says this about lamenting: we tend to think of the laments primarily, primarily in relation to the Psalms and Job and Lamentations. That is where they are especially lodged. But the theological, but theologically, the cry to God and the response of God are the fundamental theme of the whole of Scripture. The human cry to God for help is not one element in the biblical story. It's the foundation. It is one of its foundation stones. I, I want that idea. I mean, that just summarizes everything that I really want to say about lament. Like, we think that lament is a, is a piece of the biblical story. No, it is the biblical story. Because, I mean, think about the gospel. What is the gospel? I'm sinful, and I can't do this. I can't measure up to who you want me to be, and I have sin in my life, and my sin causes you pain, and you, your sin causes me pain, and all those things just escalate, and we wind up with this broken world of broken people doing broken things to each other. And we cry out to God for help. And God is listening, and he answers, and he responds to our cry for help with Jesus. Jesus. To come and be perfect and live perfectly. To offer us imputed righteousness, giving to us. Because he's perfect, we can be perfect. And because we can be perfect, we can be in the presence of God. This is the gospel. This is lament. Realizing a brokenness that resides within us. Realizing a pain, a hurt, something that lies within us. And then crying out to God, being honest and truthful with him. And then at the end of it, trusting that he's provided away. Jesus. The purpose of the gospel, the point of the gospel, the point of scripture, the point of lament, the point of your life, Jesus. Let's let's pray. God, thank you for the... uh, For all the gifts that you've given to us. Father, I I pray that you would give each of us the courage and opportunity to lean into the pain that you've given to us. God, I pray that you would somehow allow us to to see pain as, as a gift. a gift that brings us you. God, I pray that we would all be able in some capacity, in some way, to get you through pain. God, I thank you for the stories in Scripture of of David and, and of Jeremiah and of your son Jesus that give us these pictures of lament, Father. Lord, I pray that as we look around our world, as we look around our city, as we look around our nation, as we look around at, at churches and religion and denominations and we see so evidently that there's just no hope in man. God, would you just remind us that you are our hope and our peace. God, press us into that. Teach us how much you really love and care for us. And God, may we respond in not in mopey sadness, but but in, in beautiful adoration of who you are. You are good. Always. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. God, guide us now as we seek to Respond properly to who you are. Thank you for Jesus. It's in His name.